Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. If, if you're new here, if you've missed the past couple of weeks, we're in the middle of a series called You Are Here. Um, and, and so... Uh, last week after church, uh, my wife and I went out to lunch, and then we were heading back to our home in Hanford, and we get home, and, and you, ever, you ever get home, you open the door to your house, and immediately you know that something, something's not quite right, okay? Um, we open the door, and, and here's the problem. Those, there are some of you that are going to get this right away. Uh, we open the door, and our dogs don't greet us right away. Okay, this is a problem if you're a dog owner, right? And, uh, and, and to make it worse, they were there. It, it, they didn't get out or anything. We, we see as we start to step into the hallway to walk into the house from the garage, we see their heads kind of peek around the corner. And they're kind of... Okay, there's, there's something going on. We walk out into the living room, and it's a disaster. Uh, they, they had ripped an extension cord out of the wall and I mean, we're, we're lucky that things ended up not worse than, than they were. Uh, there's little burn marks on the little outlet there where they ripped the extension cord out. So that, that was super awesome. Uh, half of the extension cord was on one side of the room. The other half was on another side of the room. There were a couple things that were plugged into that cord, and the little wall adapters were just shredded all over the living room. Uh, they had found a blanket and just ripped the blanket apart. If anybody in here is considering getting a Husky, don't. That is the best advice I can give you as a pastor. Do not get a husky. I don't know what the deal. They're not even really dogs. They're like, so, I don't know. Just don't do it, okay? Uh, we, had a lab- we have a Labrador. He was wonderful until we got a husky. Now we don't know what to do. Uh, so let me know if you want a husky, though, and I, I got one that I can get you. So anyway, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm upset about this. I, I told you guys a few weeks back about uh, I do all this smart home technology in my house and everything, and, and I'm really into it. Some of the things that they tore up belong to that. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about how much money it's going to cost to replace these things, the, the work that I put in to get things to work the way they did. I'm mad at the dogs. I throw them in the backyard, and I, I turn and I look back at the living room, and I just start cleaning, I guess. Start picking. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? So I start picking things up, and I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the damage, assessing the damage as I'm cleaning, and, and more and more, I'm just kind of getting more angry about what happened while we were gone. And uh, my wonderful, sweet, little one-year-old daughter walks up as I'm, as I'm getting more and more frustrated, and she grabs a piece of ripped-up blanket off the floor and goes, here you go. And I mean, it, it just kind of melted me, right? I mean, I, like she gets it. She just wants to help mom and dad out. She gets it. And so if, if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we're going through this, this image is kind of like the kiosk where you walk into a mall for the first time uh, and you have to know where you are and you have to know where you're going to know how to get there. So that's what we've been going through the past few weeks. Uh, we looked at John chapter 4 and we looked at the woman at the well and how, how Jesus, uh, first he went into the areas that nobody would go to and then called the people there to change. He calls people to change that's uncomfortable, change that hurts, change that we don't want to be a part of. Uh, we looked at that, and then from there we started breaking down the actual meat of the series. So w- let's see if we can remember first. Uh, what is the purpose or the mission statement 
of South Valley. Starts with leading if you guys need help. Leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then so, so from that, we, we said that there's a, a certain formula that a healthy Christian will follow. And that's, that's what our goal is, is this formula. Uh, can anybody list the four things that we've been looking at these, these past few weeks? Connecting? This is just last week. I, yeah, I don't. Connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Okay, so, so our, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we accomplish that? Say it with me real quick. Connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Those are, those, that's, that's how we accomplish this. So uh, we looked at connecting. We, we looked at how the early church connected, how they grew together, how they did church together. We looked at growing last week, uh, what it means to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, and, and to grow with each other. And, and so this week we're going to land in serving and here's, if, if I could impart anything to you guys before we even jump into this, this is the most important message of this entire series. If, if you skip out on everything else, get this one. Because when I, when I look at that moment when my daughter handed me that blanket, there was connection there. My daughter and I connected on another level when we worked for a common goal together. You better believe she's growing, she's learning how, how people function, that you have to clean up after things in life seem to fall apart. And she's, obviously she's serving, and as, as we go through these things in our lives, uh, serving is, is going to give you opportunity to connect, it's going to give you opportunity to grow, and it's going to put you in all sorts of places where you're going to have opportunities to share the gospel. Opportunities where people will listen because they see that you're the real deal, that you're not just telling them how to live their lives and then doing your own thing off on your own. You're the real deal. So this is, this is kind of the peak of this whole thing. Um, not, to, not to say that it's all downhill from, from here. Don't, don't get that. Uh, but, but get this sermon. Serving is, is tremendous. And so as we kind of break into this and, and look at this, uh, I want to start in the book of Mark chapter 12. This is a passage that we looked at last week. And uh, in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 29, Jesus has been approached by some people and they ask him what the most important commandment is. Right, we looked at this last week, and, and Jesus answers in this way. Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and, sh and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I could break down all four of those for you guys, and we could spend a ton of time there, but I think I preached long enough last week that, that I'll give you guys a little bit of a break there. And uh, so Jesus goes on from this, and he says, And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so, so what Jesus is saying here, what he's breaking down to these people is the most important thing you can do as a person. The most important decision you can ever make in your entire life is to love God with everything you've got. Everything you've got. And that doesn't look like a just Sunday thing. That, that goes so much beyond that. It's not just a Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing. It goes beyond that even. It's, it's something that you commit your whole life to. It wraps up everything that, that how you define yourself. And so uh, this, is, this is loving God in the spiritual, loving God in the emotional, loving God in the physical. 
right? He, he breaks down. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses writes, love the Lord your God with all your might. So there's something physical to this, right? So, so here's the question. How do you love a spiritual God when we live in a physical world? Right? I, I think that's a fair question. How do you love a physical God when we're bound to a physical world? Well, that's why Jesus breaks down the second part of this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Things got a little bit more physical there, didn't they? That's, that's a little more tangible. We, we see our neighbors. We interact with our neighbors. We, we're around the people around us, right? And this is, this is our opportunity to serve them. And so, so Jesus breaks this down even more uh, when, when he ends up talking about separating people at the judgment and that there are people who think that they've served God. There are people who think like, Jesus, I know you. And, and he says, no, I, I never knew you. And then there was another group of people who, who Jesus, he welcomes gladly. And he says, man, when I was sick, you guys took care of me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was, when I was in jail, you came and visited me. And, and the people are kind of confused about what Jesus is saying. I'm like, Jesus, when, when did any of this happen to you? I don't remember visiting you in, in prison. I don't remember feeding you when you got hungry. When, and Jesus says, when you did this to the least of these, you did it for me. Okay, so this is, this is the, the first step in service, is this idea of humility. Love others as yourself. You're not above them. And Jesus goes on and says, what you did to the least of these, the people at the very bottom, the people that nobody else seems to care about, when you love those people, when you serve those people through your actions, that's when you loved me. That's when you were there for me. So love the, God with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that look like? That's, that's impacted by how we serve in our communities, how we serve in our church, what we do for the least of these, what we do for our neighbors. And so, so Jesus actually, uh, this, this idea of humility, so he broke this down for us. He, he didn't just tell us, like, be humble, figure that out. The, the cool thing about God is he doesn't give us a lot of ambiguous laws a lot of times. Like, I mean, if you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, God, God didn't just tell him, he's like, okay, guys, you can do anything you want out here, but, but just be humble. No, he said, just don't eat from that tree. Like, that's pretty black and white, right? Just black and white. And so even when, when he does give something a little more ambiguous like this, Jesus breaks it down for us. He shows us what this looks like. So uh, jumping into Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 3 here, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Okay, so, so here's the first thing here. Do you guys have a bulletin? Who grabbed a bulletin on their way in? This was not planned, okay? Look at the front of your bulletin. Now look at this next slide here. I had no idea this was going to happen. I want you guys to say this out loud, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three. It's not about me. Okay, that, okay. Okay, we'll, we'll do it again. Okay, one, two, three. It's not about me. Okay, so if there's anything that we're going to get in here today, if there's anything that we have to understand as a church, is that it's not about me. The decisions that happen in here, the things that go on, the, 
the music that we play, the, the way that the tech works, all the different things that come together, the decorations, everything else, it's not about what I like. It's not about what I'm all about. If, if I like it, that's great. But if not, it's, it's not for me. It's for the people who haven't made it in here yet. It's, it's that we could bring more people in and have more people coming to know Jesus in a personal relationship with Him, that God would have that many more people lifting Him up and glorifying Him. That's our ultimate goal. And that comes from serving the people around us. You don't serve people for yourself. You know, we live in this world uh, that's, that's just driven by this I deserve mentality. Everything's all about me. Everything's all about what I want. And we want it now, right? I mean, think about microwaves for a second, guys. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but like if I pull out some chicken nuggets out of the freezer and it says throw in the microwave for 10 minutes, I'm like, 10 minutes? Are you kidding me? What is this? Like the 1300s? It takes 10 minutes for me to get dinner? I don't get it. And so I just, whatever, I'll find something else that's quicker to cook. Like microwaves are antiquated. They're too slow. I don't, I don't get what the deal is. We're impatient. We, we want what we want and we want it right now. And Jesus is saying, guys, you, no, no, you're, you're missing it. It's not about you. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with you. It never did. The whole story of, of God pursuing us, God loving us, God coming after us, God uh, redeeming us, forgiving us, everything else. The book of Isaiah breaks us down and says that God didn't do that for us. He did it for himself. God pulled Israel out of Egypt, not for me, but for him, that he would be glorified, that he be lifted up, that he be the one who gets all of the honor and glory and praise. And that's the same thing in the church today. It's not here for me. It's not here for you. It's all for God. He does all of this for his own glory. And guys, there, there are a lot of people out there that go into service. They do things for other people because they want something out of it, because they know there's a reward at the end, because they need people to notice them. And I, I would caution you, if that is in any way you, that is the quickest and easiest way to burn out. You will not last. You've got to come at this from a spirit of humility, a spirit of, of putting other people before yourselves. And this is, this is what Jesus was all about, even in and of himself, right? Coming to earth, leaving heaven, coming down here, serving people, working for people, doing things for other people, not making himself above everyone else, right? That's, that's the way Jesus worked. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. It's just like the golden rule. If, if you want this done for you, you should probably do it for somebody else because they'd probably like it too. So we jump back a little bit in uh, Philippians chapter 2. In, uh, back starting in verse 1, it says, Let each of you look not to, only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Last week, we, we talked about Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, which tells us that our actions are dictated by the things that we think, the things that go through our mind. So if our actions are going to be service, if, if we're going to act in humility, then our mind has to be affected by this. Our mind has to be overcome by this. So, so Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So the same thing that Jesus thought, the same way that Jesus acted, and so we'll break this down a little bit. Uh, in the next portion here, Philippians chapter 2, it says, who, thought he was, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. There's that word again. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that word obedient, think about this for a second. Uh, isn't it weird to think of, of the boss being obedient, of the king being obedient, of God being obedient? So what did that look like? What, what does it look like for Jesus to be obedient? And this, this all comes down to putting other people before yourself. So in the book of, uh, in the book of John, chapter 13, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So before we even go on from, from here, there, there's these two words that this is, this is the peak of humility. This is the driving force behind humility. This is, this is everything that, ha- that you have to be wrapped up in if you want to serve God the way he's called you to service. The key here is that if you want to be obedient, if you want to serve, if you want to be humble, you have to love. Love is the driving force behind every genuine Christian action. I mean, think about this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is writing to, to the church of Corinth who they were doing incredible stuff. They were doing like acts, uh, miracles and everything. They were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. They were doing all sorts of, of awesome things. And Paul said, no, 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 guys, you're missing it. You're missing it. Listen, you can, you can do all of the best works. You can, you can be a part of all of the best service. You can be consumed in doing everything. But if you don't have love as the driving force, you're obnoxious. He, he uses the phrase, you sound like a clanging cymbal. You know what's awful about a clanging cymbal? Everything. It's obnoxious. You can't talk over it. You can't hear anything else that's going on. You can't wait for it to stop. Just leave me alone. This is, Paul is saying, if you're serving, but you don't have love, that's you. It's, it's not just about our actions, right? It's, it's not about just coming in and doing things. It's that we would humble ourselves. We would make ourselves lower than others and pursue them in love in a way that dictates service. This is the same way that, that a marriage is made to work, right? If, if you truly love each other, if you're pursuing your wife in love, service is a natural response. Service isn't the primary it's the secondary. It comes from love. And so, so Jesus first, he, he loves them, okay? So he's built relationship. He's passionate about these people. And he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Okay, so if you love somebody, what do you do? You have to get up, okay? Jesus wasn't all about just coming to church and sitting here once or twice a week. He wasn't about sitting down and staying stagnant. He was always getting up. He was always doing things. He, <laughs> you can't do anything if you're sitting the whole time, right? The first thing Jesus had to do before anything got accomplished was get up from his throne in heaven. The book of Daniel talks about when Daniel sees this vision and he sees this empty throne in heaven. Why was it empty? Because someone had to get up. 
Someone had to get out of it. Okay? So if, if we're going to reach our community, if we're going to serve, if we're going to love others, if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, you got to get up. You, you can't do this from your pew. And guys, listen, this is, this is rough. Do you, do you realize there's no perfect attendance award in heaven? Right? Okay, the, the Bible doesn't say that you're going to get to heaven and, and Jesus is going to meet you there at the gates and say, man, well done, my good and faithful attender. I'm so proud of you. You, 365 days a year, like, you nailed that. Way to go. No, he doesn't say that. He says, well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. There it is. You got to get up. And so, so Jesus, uh, he rises up from supper and then it says in the next passage here, And Jesus laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Think about this for a second. This is, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This is, this is the one who created all things. This is the one that Colossians says that all things are held together in him. Nothing in the universe exists if not for this man. And, and I have this, this picture in my head of, of, you know, a lot of people in society, they have this picture in their head of like this angry God. And so I picture, you know, almost this, uh, this silhouette sort of image of, of God on his throne in heaven with his uh, scepter that's obviously made of lightning because that's what God's all about for some reason. And, and he looks down and he sees all of the anger, all of the brokenness, all of the lust, all of the rebellion, all of the idolatry, all of the abuse in our world. And he looks at all of these things and visibly angry, he gets up from his throne. And then we get to this passage and it's as if this, this God gets up from his throne and meets with those rebels. And he gets down and he said, hey, I noticed your feet are a little dirty. Let me, let me wash those for you. Let me take care of that for you. Let me serve you. Let me, you know, I'm, I'm way up here in heaven. Let me, let me just get down for a second. Let me get a little, bit, a little bit lower than you even so that I can serve you. This is what Jesus was all about. This is, this is the, the gospel that he showed us. This is, he, he broke all of this down to us in his actions. And man, if Jesus... God himself is willing to get down to make himself a little bit lower than the worst of the worst and serve them. What's your excuse? I, I, I sat and thought about it, guys. I can't come up with one. I've got no good excuse. If the God of the universe will do it, what is my excuse? If, if he who is above all things would become below those things so that he could serve them better, what is my excuse? There, there's nobody here that I'm higher than, so the only way to go is down. The only way to go is for me to make myself a little bit lower than you and say, hey, what can I do to serve you? How can I impact you? How can I love you? Jesus says that, that the world will know that we belong to him based on our love for one another. And that love that Jesus, that word that he uses over and over and over again in the Greek is that agape love. In other words, it's self-sacrificing love. 
Love that makes me just a little bit less to make you just a little bit more. And he says the world will know, they will not be able to deny that you belong to me if you guys love each other that way. That's how they'll know. Okay, so here's where it gets a little interesting for us, okay? So talking about serving, talking about uh, God calling us into this, this realm of service. Notice that, that I never uh, mentioned that God calls us to be fishers of men, right? Because he doesn't. He doesn't call everyone to be fishers of men. You know who Jesus called to be fishers of men? Fishers of fish, okay? So this is, this is where it gets cool for us because God, when Jesus came, he called the fishers of fish and said, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He went to the tax collectors and said, hey, I'm going to use your past. I'm going to use who I've made you to be to best reach your community. I'm going to use the intricate, unique things that define you to reach the world. And that's the same thing here for us. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 uh, says this here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. And the, the saints here, all that means is the people set apart, uh, the people who have a relationship with Jesus. That's all that means. To equip us for the work of ministry. That word ministry, you know what that means? It means service. So to equip the church for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ. Look at, look at all these different things in here. And we could go and we could look at the, the book of 1 Corinthians and Paul breaks down another huge group of different things that God calls people to. And I mean, it's almost limitless of, of all these different areas that, that God has uniquely gifted us in. And, and let me be clear to you, you have a unique gift, if not more than one. God has wired you a specific way. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, there's, there's this story, and, and we can go back even a little before that. Uh, there's this young boy who, uh, he's, he's doing what he can. He's, he's trying to take care of his family the best he can. And, uh, and he's just, he's living life the way he's been taught, trying to be the best that he can be. And uh, so, so this prophet of God comes and meets with his family. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm here from God to anoint the next king of Israel. And God told me it's going to be one of your sons. So, so bring him out to me, and, uh, and we'll get this figured out. And it, it didn't end up being any of the sons that Jesse brought. It was the youngest son, right? It was David. And so David's anointed king, and, and imagine going through his mind, okay, I'm going to be the next king. And then what happens? Then he's faced with Goliath. Then he's faced with Saul himself, who wants to murder him. And I'm not talking one time, guys. I mean, Saul came after this kid trying to kill him. And, and as David goes through all of these things, uh, all sorts of turmoil, he ends up building an army uh, within the ranks that, that he could survive Saul. And eventually he became the next king of Israel. That promise was fulfilled. But man, let me, let me break down some of this for you guys, okay? I, I wrote down some accomplishments of David. David, uh, he was able to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands. He was able to kill the giant Goliath, whom no one else in all of Israel would even face. He was able to create an army to help him run from King Saul. He was able to defeat Saul multiple times and still spare his life. He was able to, to serve the king of the Philistines in battle for a time when he, uh, when he tried to run away from everything. And he still had success in battle even then. Uh, he defeated the Philistines in, to bring back the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. 
He defeated the Syrians. He defeated everyone from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Amalekites, and, and King Hadadezer. You can break all of this down in 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 8. David, okay, what was his gift? This guy was a gifted leader and warrior. This is what God did for him. This is what he was good at. Clearly, this is what he was good at. And we get into 2 Samuel chapter 11, and it starts out with the phrase, that year in the springtime when the kings go out to war. And you keep reading, and guess who's not at war? David. David got comfortable. David stayed home. David didn't go out to battle with everybody else. And, and guess what? He got bored. So what does David do when he gets bored? Well, he goes up for a little stroll on the roof, and he saw someone. Bathsheba, right? And, and the story from here, David ends up taking this woman. He ends up murdering her husband. He ends up uh, having a child with her. And, and all sorts of this crazy, I mean, it just escalates out of control. But here's what I want you to catch from this. This all happened because David had a specific gift from God and decided not to pursue it for a time. He decided to get comfortable for a time. Guys, some of us, when we're faced with lions, some of us are, are Daniels who will pray and God will deliver us. Some of us are Davids who God says, no, 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 you're going to get up and you're going to fight those lions and they, they stand no chance against you when I'm walking with you, right? We're called into different things in our life. And David, uh, he rejected what he was called into for, for only a moment. But what do we remember him for? Just that moment. If you guys remember last week, I, I talked about uh, the idea of drifting and how you'll never drift towards God. You'll never drift closer to holiness. You'll always drift the right way, or the wrong way, excuse me. David was drifting. David spent just a small season of his life drifting, and this is what happened to him. Understand this, guys. You have a unique gift. You were designed in a particular way. God created you specifically to accomplish certain things in this community. Don't drift. And man, what, what you'll find from the things God has called you to, the joy that you'll have by living that life, you know, to just kind of take a step back, look at all of this and say, you know what? In humility, I see that Jesus thought I was worth getting up out of his throne. That Jesus thought I was worth coming down to this earth and living as a human. That Jesus thought I was worth that terrible cross going up there and being murdered for me. And you know what? If Jesus could make himself that sort of humble, man, because of that, yeah, I, I think I can, I can serve in worship. I can serve in the tech team. I can serve with children. I can, I can clean the toilets. I can go out and work in the Christian aid in my community. I can, I can you know, serve with this family that needs help. If Jesus thought I was worth being murdered, then it's the least I can do to step in just a little bit in the church and in my community to serve those around me, to use my specific gifts to glorify God. Because... Jesus thought I was worth it. You better believe he thinks they're worth it. And, uh, but Seth, you don't, you don't understand. What if I fail? What if I get my gift wrong? What if, what, if I'm, what if I'm not as good at this as I thought I was? I was recently reading a book by, by Pastor Levi Lesko. He's, he's the pastor of Fresh Life Church in Montana. And 
uh, he, he's telling this story about he, he took his, his daughter out to an amusement park and uh, they were going on all these rides. They were having a blast all day long. And uh, finally her, her dad says, hey, let's go on the Mr. Freeze ride, right? Some of you that, that are old enough, you remember Mr. Freeze from Batman with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Not, not Batman's greatest moment, but you know, nonetheless, like it happened. And so this is the ride. It's, it's the Batman ride with Mr. Freeze. And uh, they're going through the line, and, and slowly his daughter Olivia starts to question, Dad, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can do this. Oh, no, no, no you're going to be great. L- listen, listen, Mr. Freeze, like, he was barely even a bad guy. He, like, doesn't even really count in Batman. It's, it's okay. You'll be fine. And he's trying to pump her up, trying to, Dad, I don't think, I, and, and eventually, I mean, she's in tears. She's bawling. She's terrified. And so, fine, they leave through the emergency exit, and they're, they're not going on that ride. They end up going on all the other rides, and in the amusement park. They keep having fun. A couple hours later, she comes back and she says, Daddy, I want to do it. I want to go on that ride. Let's go do it. And he, you know, as a dad, he's hesitant. Are you sure you're, you know what, you said you're ready. Okay, let's, let's give it a shot. So they go, they get back in line. She toughs it out through the line. They get up to the front and they, they get in their chairs. And I mean, this is it, right? When you're on a roller coaster, this is it. You pull that harness down. There's no turning back, right? And so, so she pulls, they both pull that harness down, they click it into place. And three, two, one, up the, up the roller coaster, right? And he, he like doesn't even want to look at his daughter because she's going to be terrified, she's going to be screaming, she's not going to like it. She wasn't as ready for this as she thought she was. And they, they go through the whole roller coaster, they get to the end, and Levi looks back at his daughter Olivia. And in his words... What he saw on her face, he said he saw the look of joy that can only be obtained by stealing it from the clenched fist of fear. This is what we're talking about, guys. This is the, the enemy is going to whisper in your ear all day long. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not gifted enough. You're, you can't handle these things. Nobody's going to care if you do those things. It's not going to affect anybody. You understand who's telling you those things, right? You understand who's trying to keep you from getting into this. You understand who's really scared, right? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. If, if you're afraid of what might happen if you step into this, guess who didn't give you that fear? It wasn't him. It was somebody else, right? Somebody else gave you that fear because he's afraid. Because he knows what the church can accomplish if we pursue Jesus in love, if we pursue our community in love. If I'm willing to say, you know what, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm going to lower myself and I'm going to serve. I'm going to prove to my community through service, through humility, that Jesus is who he says he is. That I am all in on this Christianity thing. And it's not as bad as they think it is. That this Jesus really does transform lives. That this Jesus can regenerate hearts. That this Jesus did die for each and every single one of us. And he loves us so much more than we can ever comprehend. And I am all in on this. And man, when we love like that, community can't argue with us. They can't argue with a transformed heart. This last passage that we're going to look at here. Uh, still in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Working properly means when you're serving with the gift that God gave you, when you're doing the things that he created you to do. And it says next here, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Guys, I don't have a secret for how, how to make this church be the church it used to be. I don't have a secret for how to fill these pews up. I don't have a secret for how to get people waiting in line outside the doors, wanting to get inside. Uh, Paul did, and he wrote it right here. That when we serve, when we use our lives the way that God has designed us to use them, it will make the body, it will make the church grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Get this, guys. This is what it's all about. This is why we're here. This is why Jesus made the church. This is what he's called us to. And listen, if, if you don't know what your gift is, we, we are actually eventually going to offer classes here that will help you discover all of that. Uh, most of us will actually have more than one gift. There's going to be more than one breakdown of, of uh, how you can get plugged in and serve and everything. But until then, there's, there's actually a fairly simple way to find out what your gifts are. And the first one is this. Pray about it. If, if you ask the guy who gave the gifts to you, I'd be willing to bet he'll give you an answer. And number two, ask the people around you. A lot of times we can't see the forest for the trees. Other people around us, they see the things that we're, that we're good at. They see the areas where we succeed, where we thrive. Uh, we, we notice those things that make people tick, right? I mean, when you mention somebody, something to somebody and they just go off, they, they like won't leave it alone. They're, they're on one now. And you're like, okay, I'm, I don't know what I did to get the Energizer Bunny going, but okay. Like, we see the things that make you tick. Ask the people closest to you. Ask the people who are around you. And, and as time goes on, we're going to have all sorts of different avenues to get more people plugged in, to get more people serving, to get you guys uh, to be a part of what it means to be the church in this community. And as, as we go through this time, I've got a simple question for you. Same question that I had, uh, very similar question to what I had last week, is over time, as we work these things out, that any one of us here would be able to walk up to you and ask, how are you serving? Where are you, where are you connected? Where are you serving? That we could at any time ask, how are you connected? How are you growing? How are you serving? Because that's ultimately our goal, guys. And when you get plugged in and when you serve, the rest of this is going to make so much more sense. It's going to be so much easier to get connected. It's going to get so much easier to start to grow. It's going to get so much easier to share the gospel. If you can humble yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, and serve. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for our time together in your word. Uh, and we, we ask that, that you would help us with this, that, that we know that this is, it's plain as day, but it's, it's not that simple. Uh, our natural tendency is, is to, to seek my own fulfillment, to, to go into survival mode and, and do the things that, uh, that make me uh, last, that make me tick. Uh, but we know that this is what you called us to. We know that you called us into service. And so help us uh, get plugged into service. God, some of us here don't know what our gifts are. We don't know what we're good at. Help, help show us what those gifts are. Show us what we'd be good at. Uh, show us how we, can, how we can grow closer to you through loving actions of service. Break these things down to us. Uh, put others around us that, that would help uh, explain these things to us. And God, more than anything, put people around us 
who need that service, people who need your love, people who need the church to be what you called her to be. And we ask that you would lead us into that kind of service and that kind of love, uh, and that we would just go out into this community in a way that would be undeniable that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus loves the way he says he does, and that we could be his hands and feet in our community. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.